your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to the Blocking Charge Cast. We were, when we last met, discussing the Big Ten Tournament, and now we will discuss the ramifications thereof. Once again, I'm Steve Braun, aka Thumpsaurus. I'm here with Andrew Kraszewski and our own Emma Wildcat, of course, our big-time NCAA Tournament enthusiast. One-time participant, long-time enthusiast. Thank you. So... Let's talk about the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament field, starting with the West region, where the number one seed is Gonzaga, who uh, our own, um, oh my God, what's his face, Wojnowski of 97 won the ticket, went and denigrated by saying that they struggled with BYU, who, you know, would struggle to beat like Minnesota in the Big Ten or something like that, um, it, which is amazing because what he did there was he, he, he hopped on the trope of, oh, the WCC ain't shit which, you know, everybody's heard, everybody knows, but then he chose BYU, a legit, like, probably a top 25 team in the country to to say that with. Yeah, but, an at-large six seed, as it turned out. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like, oh, this team couldn't compete in the Big Ten. They literally have Matt Harms. <laughs> right, uh, you know, could they, would they be good in the Big Ten? No, but that's that's not exactly damning by faint praise, right? Because the Big Ten has... You know, actually, I guess I haven't looked at the updated Ken Palm ratings after the complete regular season. I would guess probably still 10 or 11 of the top 40 teams in the Ken Palm are Big Ten teams. So it's like, again, I don't know how you could look back at that. I mean, keep in mind also, we have the data point of Gonzaga versus Iowa from earlier in the season when the Hawkeyes couldn't keep up. They couldn't, I mean, even Iowa, the flamethrowing all offense glass cannon of a team could not run with Gonzaga. And it's funny that we bring that up because Iowa is the two seed in the West and is the only Big Ten team out of the nine that made the tournament that is going to be in this region. Yeah, so there's actually another interesting thing from my perspective there, which is that Iowa's first round draw is with Grand Canyon, um, where I don't know if Michael Finke or Tim Finke still play there, the Champagne natives and one-time Illinois commit. But what I do know is that Former Illini assistant coach Jamal Walker is now an assistant coach at Grand Canyon, which means he will finally, after eight years, be brought be brought to justice and serve <laughs> his sentence for the NCAA tournament from his conduct in the 2013 semifinal game, uh, not semifinal, um, regional semifinal, whatever, uh, round of 32 game, not regional semifinal, my God. Uh, round of 32 game against Miami. He will finally be brought to justice. We've you know, been wanting him to serve his sentence, and he fi- he actually stuck with Illinois until like two years ago. The, the, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, um, I think is, is what NCAA Commissioner Mark Emmert probably would have to say about this situation if he were to be quoted. Um, and yeah, so for a 215 matchup, Grand Canyon is perhaps a little bit more of a live wire, but in different ways than you would expect. Typically, when you're worried about a first round upset, you're usually looking at, oh, a team that plays really up tempo or chucks a ton of threes. You're looking uh, at, a, at a team that's like Iowa. <clears throat> yeah, but Grand Canyon is going to pose something for an issue for the Hawkeyes, I think, in that 
They're 18th in the country in defensive three-point percentage allowed. So I guess the question is, you know, does Iowa sometimes rely a little heavily on the three ball? Might that be an issue? Well, um, other thing is they have a seven-footer named Asbjorn Mitgard um, who draws fouls at a pretty comparable rate to Luca Garza. So you've got a critical matchup in terms of who's going to get the whistles. I mean, if there's depending on who gets that first foul called on them between those two, who you would expect will guard each other most of the time that could have a huge impact on the flow of this game. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be too worried about Iowa being at risk here, but Grand Canyon poses some issues that you don't normally see from a 15 seed. Bet against Thunder Dan at your own risk. Thunder Dan ain't there no more though. No, His right, influence is still there, okay? Right then around. against the ghost of Thunder Dan at your own risk. Well, it's, I mean, not, not only did you know, do we not have to deal with Thunder Dan anymore, but um, coach now at Grand Canyon is Bryce Drew, who those of us here in Big Ten country will certainly remember from the quality work he did with Valpo for a better part of a decade. Um, so, again, this a little bit of concern for Iowa. Now, that being said, if they – get past Grand Canyon, they get the winner of the Oregon VCU matchup. Um, Oregon under Dana Altman, they're having a little bit of a down year this season, but they certainly have a couple of fringe NBA type players. Um, Duarte is probably the name that you would have heard the most. They sort of combo guard forward. Um, actually, when I was listening to the Big Ten Network's um, analysis earlier, they made what I thought was a decent comparison. So he's somewhat like Joe Wieskamp, but he's more willing to drive the ball. So That'll obviously be a comparison that Iowa fans would be familiar with. They had a phenomenal recruiting class a few years ago, and it seems to have just kind of fallen apart. Like, uh, uh, yeah, the popo had... came looking. So Dana had to, yeah, had to had well, to things had to do things a little bit more discreetly the last couple of years. Yeah, so there was Okoro who left, and then there was Bull Bull, um, who I don't know what happened to him, but he did not play for more than the one year. He's in the NBA somewhere. Yeah. I, think he might, I think he might be with Memphis right now, but he's not playing much. I think he might be a G League. Well, he's yeah, he was a one playing guy. more for them than he is for Oregon is the point. Yeah, they do. They do. Curiously enough, still have Eugene Omarui, the former Rutgers stalwart um, slash, <laughs> team ca- slash team captain who abruptly transferred and opted to use his free year, I guess. So, My goodness, um, did I forget hard about that. Yeah, and he's he's given them – he's been pretty good for them. That being said, though, they are still not – you know, they didn't win the Pac-12 in a year when the Pac-12 has been kind of unimpressive. So, um, And it's really that they have a lot of the pieces, and you guys have named a lot of the big names there. They are more or less – I mean, they do kind of go with this Iowa kind of style, you know, a little bit aggressive but not great on defense. They can shoot the lights out of the gym, but then they – the Pac-12, kind of the difference here is they'll just, Oregon, some of these good Pac-12, you know, relatively good Pac-12 teams just disappear. Just on a random night, they just won't show up. And so I think if Oregon gets past VCU, which is a big if in the first place, but, you know, they could catch lightning in a bottle and beat Iowa, but that's probably a a, a 33% kind of proposition. It's weird, man. You think about it, the Pac-12 has been bad, but is substantially worse now than it's been, right? There's just... Well, I, I, I would argue that it's worse talked about him than it's been in years. And the ACC, we've talked about as, as being worse. And usually you think, well, maybe there's some quality in the mid-majors. No, it's just all that quality has been absorbed by the Big Ten. I might pick a nit on that as far as the Pac-12 being at its worst. Because, man, think back to two years ago. There was a question about whether they might be a one-bid league. That's true. Um, 
and they've rebounded from that a little bit. Colorado has gotten back to respectability. Andy Enfield's got the ball rolling at USC a bit. I think Mick Cronin is going to get UCLA off the ground. Um, they're definitely in a little bit of a retooling position from the position Steve Alford left them in, which, you know, good because he doesn't deserve success. But anyway, um, I don't think the Pac- I think the Pac-12 did bottom out a couple of years ago. They're not good in the sense that we would know it. I mean, it's to me pretty clear the Big Ten and then Big 12 are one, two by some distance. Whereas in the past, I, it was a lot more of a, a mixed bag in the tournament. You might see a team from another power conference that's basically the same as you. Um, and you would have, you wouldn't necessarily have any way of knowing, but, um, I think that's not true anymore, but if you're a power conference champion, then at this point you're dreading like Purdue. Oh yeah. Not to say that they're not good, but you know, they, I mean, they're probably the fifth best team in the league. Yeah. So anyway, that's Iowa being the only big 10 team in the West, you would assume Gonzaga is probably the thing that you're worried about most. Looking at the rest of the bracket, your three seed is Kansas, four seed is Virginia, five is Creighton, six is USC, and then again, Oregon is the seven. The eight, nine game is going to be Oklahoma, Missouri. Of course, only one of those teams will even. Oh, yeah. I always like those former conference matches when they happen in the postseason. That could be an interesting one. Um, Missouri certainly has as much talent on paper as anyone. Their results have been kind of up and down. And they're not, they're maybe not as talented as the team that Quanzo Martin lost with as a one seed in the NIT a few years ago at Cal. True. Yeah. Um, but they do have a decent amount of experience too. I mean, we talk, you know, Tillman, um, Mark Smith, they've, they've got guys who've been around for a while. It's not like his usual batch of, oh, here's a whole bunch of NBA caliber athletes who I just brought in and half of them will be gone next year. So a little bit of a different feel for them. But anyway, it's it's not an unmanageable bracket for Iowa. I mean, obviously you're concerned when you get to if you get to that Elite Eight game that you're going to be seeing Gonzaga. But as much as I have needled Iowa about, you know, what constitutes a successful season here, if you get to the Elite Eight, that's nothing to, you know, turn down. So that's um, way farther than they've been in decades. And it's yeah. a it's a bracket that looks like it's set up pretty much. It should it looks like it should go chalk. I mean, that's I don't Neither, neither of those teams, nobody in Iowa's, you know, in Iowa's path scares me. Nobody, to be honest, in, in Kansas or in uh, in UVA's path scares me. It's it could easily be a one, two, three, four kind of situation, pending COVID results with Kansas and with UVA, of course. But yeah, it it there's no. You could tell me Virginia and Ohio have played in the first round of the NCAA tournament five of the last ten years, and I'd believe you because it just seems like a normal three v fourteen or four v thirteen pasting, and we all go on with our lives. Yeah, and it's maybe part of this is because, at least for me, I I don't know that I've consumed as much content conference this year as I normally would. But when you look at the at the higher number seeds in this bracket, you know the the eleven the playing game is Wichita State and Drake. Those are a couple of the last two teams in the field. Um, The twelve is UC Santa Barbara, which you know you've you've seen interesting teams come out of those UCs in the past. Ohio's the 13 with the auto bid from the Mac. Eastern Washington is the 14. We mentioned Grand Canyon. And then, you know, oh, we'd be remiss not to point this out, that the cowards on the NCAA selection committee bowed to the immense unrelenting lobbying from Ward Manuel and the University of Michigan booster cabal. And they safely sequestered Appalachian State in Gonzaga's region in the West to just snuff out this uprising before it could happen. We are not going to see Michigan Appalachian State in a 116 game because the selection committee to a man are cowards. 
100%. They want no part of basketballer Monty Edwards, who I assume plays at Appalachian <gasps> State. Oh, man, I just got woofed after saying that. <laughs> so, no, and, and since you brought it up, well, since you brought up the one thing that I, I will be intrigued, and it's in part because, like I mentioned, the last, you know, number one Drake basketball fan here checking in. Um, that Drake-Wichita game could be fun, and to be honest, it's, it's in part just the kind of the anti-Pac-12 bias right now. I could see whichever team wins that game, Drake or Wichita, um, and I think it's probably Wichita-Drake, down Shemquan, uh, Hemphill, and Roman Penn just is going to struggle for bodies at this point. But I could see that's uh, that could be a popular in my book six, uh, 11 over six upset Wichita or maybe Drake over USC. Yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit of USC this year, and I will say Evan Mobley is every bit as good as advertised. But you talk about the quality of the rest of the team around him. I don't know, man. They're they're kind of just there. Like I said, it's still a little bit early in the process for Andy Enfield. I think this is like year three or four for him maybe geez i told myself it was like six or seven <laughs> you could be right maybe it, oh well yeah. yeah you remember when we thought what it was it was gonna be year like nine for pat chambers and we all thought he just got there yeah that's that's definitely something that happens to me with basketball coaches i'm like oh that guy just got hired there and, oh no he's actually been there for seven years already <laughs> so, you just yeah. haven't thought about that team in that time it's so, true the yeah. one thing the last thing that we need to talk about with the west region is the 512 does the five stand a chance <laughs> I think so. You know, our, our erstwhile Iowa colleague Creighton is uh, is a robust lad. I, I kind of like his chances. UC Santa Barbara sounds like a very lovely place to vacation to, but... Are they or are they not the Gauchos? They are the Gauchos, yes. Okay, right. well, that was, in my opinion, one of the better Steely Dan albums, so I do not like Creighton's chances in here at all. <laughs> it's true, but look, I, I would feel even more confident in the upset from the UC system participant if we had the banana slugs participating here but that I don't believe has happened anytime recently it's not the d3 basketball tournament so I don't think we're going to see banana slugs here. <laughs> no although the anteaters did knock off Bruce Weber a few years back <laughs> so anyway moving on to the south region where Baylor is the one seed uh what we have right here <laughs> is Wisconsin falling t- to a nine seed uh, presumably falling. I don't know. Was there an AP top 25 poll or does it matter anymore? Cause I believe they would have fallen out of that. Um, most likely. Yeah. Um, are you, I mean, honestly, they took a few losses towards the end of the year, but you know, they got beat twice by Iowa. Like I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of penalty for that. Um, I don't believe I've seen a recent AP poll. They may well have fallen out of it, but uh, you know, they had enough of a skid towards the end of the year that this is the consequence. And honestly, it had gotten to a point with Michigan State the last few weeks where it's like, okay, we've gotten some resume wins here. Should we maybe tap the brakes a little bit because we don't want to move on to that 8-9 line and get pasted in the you know, by a one seed in the first weekend of the tournament? I thought that was a little indulgent, especially given how the bracket played out where they're one of the last four teams in. Um, but anyway, all of which is to say that, yeah, Wisconsin being on the nine line means that not only do they get a first game matchup with North Carolina – but then if they win that game, two days later, they have to play Baylor. I do there think are teams that I think could beat Baylor, and Wisconsin is not one. Here's the thing about that, though, and I've heard this you know, noticed by a couple other sources as well. Baylor, especially from a defensive efficiency number, has been a very different team since they had a COVID-enforced pause that took them out of action for a few weeks. They have not been the same team they were when Illinois played them at the beginning of the year, for example. 
Um, that's not to say that I necessarily think Wisconsin would win. I still don't think Wisconsin would be able to score enough points to keep up with Baylor, but I ended up picking Baylor to lose to Purdue in the, um, in the sweet 16 in this, in the bracket I filled out because I think they're more vulnerable than a typical one seed, you know, second overall seed would be, um, in a tournament field. They remind me a lot of the 0405 Illini actually, in that they have, just a lot of guards. They have a small lineup, but the guards are really good. The difference is they're way better on defense. Yeah. And so elsewhere in this bracket, um, heavy Big Ten presence, your two seed is Ohio State. Purdue is also present in this part of the bracket as the four, which means that either Wisconsin or Purdue or potentially both could end up having to play Baylor um, before the Elite Eight. So in terms of first round matchups, you've got Purdue facing North Texas, who are here by dint of winning their conference tournament in the was North Texas, the Sun Belt. Yeah. And um, then you see USA. Oh, there's the USA. Oh, see, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, and then Ohio State playing Oral Roberts, the most consistently entertaining name of a relatively perennial low major tournament team. Well, the funniest thing about Oral Roberts having that name is that they're a very conservative Christian university. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the best part. That is a university that will absolutely bristle. I mean, like, BYU is more able to take jokes than they are. Damn. Well, you know, when, when I went to the Book of Mormon, the musical, the actual Mormon church had ads in there saying, yeah. hey, <laughs> the book is better, right? Like, they rolled with it, you know? All, yeah, I remember that. And Gotta I respect that. Everything. Harkening back to the days when we went places and did things. Those, My God, remember that? Those were the times. So, <laughs> uh, you know, in the bracket I filled out here, which again, I'll probably do several. I have Purdue and Ohio State playing in the regional final out of this bracket. Um, I, I think there is absolutely space for the Big Ten to make some hay. We, again, we mentioned we've got the two seed, the four seed, and the nine. Year three is Arkansas, which is a very, you know, again, Eric Musselman was a popular candidate for a couple of Big Ten jobs before he went there. They play kind of an up and down style. They have um, Moses Moody, who's going to be probably a fringe lottery pick. So the kind of star power that you want in the tournament. Other causes for concern in this bracket, Texas Tech worked its way in as a sixth seed. We know what Chris Beard is capable of in the tournament. An interesting thing, though, Purdue actually has a very doable road here um, because the five seed that they would most likely play, I mean, yeah, Winthrop is a live wire, don't get me wrong, but in the second game, they either play Winthrop or their five seed is Villanova, who have lost Colin Gillespie for the season and might have lost his backup. I haven't seen an update on him. I forget the guy's first name, but his last name is Moore. They're basically their other lead guard. So it could be a Jay Wright Villanova team with their two best guards out of action. Certainly their you know, senior point guard captain type guy. He is not available. I don't know if Moore is going to be able to play or not. Well, so that brings up the question in this one. Does the five seed stand a chance in hell? I didn't pick him to win. I mean, I have Purdue getting to the... I'm talking about in the 5-12 game. Oh, no. I, I that's the play. only reason the five seed matters, right? Is because <laughs> 12's got to be five somewhere. In fact, you generally want to pick at least two. Um, yeah. Winthrop, Winthrop is not the same team that, to me, spelled the end of the John Gross era, but they did defeat my beloved Longwood Lancers in the uh, SoCon tournament, which sucks because Longwood has still not made the NCAA tournament 
And Longwood was the subject of one of my favorite Champagne Room articles when we did a whole discussion on it when one of our writers couldn't figure out that we weren't actually analyzing basketball. We were just making dick jokes. It was legendary. <laughs> so, yeah. The best thing about Longwood is that they have a new hashtag since then, which I'm pretty sure is hashtag on the rise. <laughs> Absolutely tremendous. Well, in the context... In the context of your actual question, this is the easy and obvious 5-12 matchup to pick because, again, you, the one we just talked about was Creighton versus UC Santa Barbara. The other two five seeds, though, are Colorado and Tennessee versus Georgetown and Oregon State. Now, Oregon State crashed a tournament by an improbable Pac-12 tournament run. As did Georgetown. Yeah. So no, you've got a few times that Oregon State was picked 12th in the uh, in the Pac-12. They definitely are making hay out of that in, uh, in yeah. Corvallis. I suppose. Well, the, the only question is whether or not they're going to recognize Patrick Ewing at Indianapolis. Because if they recognize him, then for sure you pick against them. But if they don't recognize him, then what, you might as well just go ahead and pick them to win it all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel, I feel like you know, there's there's got to be enough people in Indiana with pull with the Pacers organization to, yeah, if you wanted to influence that, I feel like you could. Um, it, I think, I think that security at Lucas oil could be had um, like, Hey, you see Patrick Ewing over there. Yes, of course. You know, Patrick Ewing will act like you don't because I'm a Georgetown booster and there's a big stack of George Washington's, you know, Georgetown Washington's in it for you. If you get, if you feed him the disrespect card that somehow got him to take a very mediocre Big East team to win their conference tournament, yeah, just an unbelievable result there. I mean, that's so that's 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 amazing. Two 12 seeds were last place seeded last in their conference tournament and won it all. So uh, without anything further ado, in that one, we got the Midwest region up next, the best region. Uh, which would which would be the case whether or not Illinois was the one seed, but Illinois is the one seed. So the obvious big problem here, as far as I'm concerned, is that the 8-9 seed here is yeah. Loyola Chicago against Georgia Tech. And I don't know why they, you know, the, the dudes on ESPN when they first put this, uh, this bracket out were talking about how Georgia Tech was going to be a big problem <laughs> for Illinois. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope so, because that means we don't have to play Loyola Chicago. They're a top 10 team in net ranking. They are by far Wisconsin's best win. Like outside of, if not for Loyola Chicago, Wisconsin maybe doesn't make the tournament, right? Wisconsin was pure Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, which is to say every team worse than them they beat, every team better than them they lost to. With the possible exception of Loyola Chicago, because again, this is... In the league, in the league. Okay, yeah. So the the metrics, as you say, absolutely love them. They're an incredible defensive team, and they're anchored by a couple of guys, including one of my favorites of all time, Cam Crutwig, who was a freshman standout on their Final Four team from a few years ago. So they have carryover from there. They've still got Porter Moser. Are they actually a threat to Illinois? I don't really think so. But but I think more of a threat than Georgia Tech, so I'm terrified of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, for sure. Although I will say that Georgia Tech does have the kind of lead guard or lead guard, excuse me, um, in Jorge Alvarado that you want in the Jose. tournament setting. What's that? Jose Alvarado. Jose. Oh, I'm sorry. I said yeah. I said Jorge. Yeah, whatever. If his parents listen, I don't want to be embarrassed. You know, we were, <laughs> we're an integrity podcast. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Alvarado. There's a lot of guys you keep track of. And let's be honest, Georgia Tech hoops. In terms of the things, I'm monitoring getting kind of low on the totem pole there so would you say they're like not on your radar would you call them the Antoine Simmons of your radar 
<laughs> right, which which shit that means that presumably Georgia Tech is about to come and obliterate all my plans for this. Ah, uh, shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. if they go ahead and beat Illinois, then you can go ahead and trace <laughs> it right back here to this comment I made, which wasn't even really a dunk on anybody <laughs> except Michigan. Um, okay, so. Elsewhere in the Midwest region, only one other Big Ten team, which is a disgusting misappropriation of our of our culture by the tournament placement team. But anyway, Rutgers is in this region as the 10 seed. Their first round matchup with the seven Clemson, who I mean, they're the most notable data point I have for Clemson is that they beat Purdue very early in the season, which ought to tell you they're capable of handling bigness. But beyond that, I don't know what to make of that. Um, they've finished. One of the stronger teams. Oh, this is another. We were talking earlier how many teams did the ACC get in. I don't think we mentioned Clemson. Um, so I think that puts them at five, right? Is there? Yeah. Well, here's the thing about the ACC this year. Uh, did you see this thing where a few weeks ago they said that Northwestern had as many quad one wins as any team in the ACC at three? And Northwestern was five and thirteen in the Big Ten. Like. Yeah. Tell me Northwestern couldn't have made it to the to the ACC finals. Northwestern couldn't have made it to the ACC finals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right, okay. Okay, my parade has been sufficiently rained on. You asked. got me. Okay, you asked. So <laughs> what else do Illinois and Rutgers have to deal with in this bracket? Well, in the two seed, you have Houston, which, boy, I mean, you, you talk about a team that's built to win the sometimes the kind of tight rimmed you know tightly whistled tournament games you have where maybe you got to figure out how to win something without getting to 60 that's something that this Calvin Sampson team is very capable of um, and then in complete contrast of style you have as your three seed West Virginia though they have not broken out the press as much as they usually do and then your four seed Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham the presumptive number one overall pick in the draft this coming whenever they draft for the NBA, I've lost track, honestly. Um, and a Tennessee team at number five that also has a couple of lottery picks. So, so yeah, okay, does the five stand a chance? Yes, the five stands a chance. I, I got to say, this is not the 5-12 that I would pick. No. No, this is Tennessee, which maybe underperformed slightly relative to preseason expectations. I think some of that had to do with the fact that Alabama and Arkansas were much better in the SEC than expected. Um, but again, still a team with a couple of lottery picks. Rick Barnes has really put together a nice, I don't know if it's a second act. He probably had coaching jobs before Texas, but what I'm going to guess is probably a nice final act of his career. And then you've got Oregon State, who, as you mentioned, you know, yes, did they outperform expectations in running the Pac-12 tournament to get here? Sure, they did. Um, But, you know, this is big time sports. You know how it usually works is you see the magic. You can always assume that by this point it's used up. Yeah, they, they cast, they use a lot of mana to get where they are um maybe you're they gonna... didn't have enough items to fully restore it no and maybe you regenerate a little bit of that um but you know boy the other thing i see about this bracket you've got san diego state at the sixth seed which um we i think it's a matter of public record how i feel about their coach and then the 13 liberty flames good they're still around still succeeding just love to see that don't we um oh boy so, well yeah. look if, if Illinois should end up playing Houston, then I'm hoping that the disrespect mobile that is Illinois will be reminded who Houston's coach is and specifically what happened with Eric Gordon all those years ago. 
the Big 12 has a lot of reasons to feel snubbed ultimately in this bracket. And I think, sorry to transition away from your Eric Gordon uh, commentary. Yeah, I mean, it was just one <laughs> out comment, there. So go right ahead. We'll, no, get, we'll get back. This is one where, you know, if you're, if you're a Big 12 kind of watcher or follower, this is, the, this is the bracket where you look at it and say, okay, here's where we can, you know, Oklahoma State probably isn't a four, but. A lot of intrigue in Illinois' bracket too, because you have not only Loyola Chicago, but then you have Oklahoma State where Brad Underwood left after one year. Mm-hmm. And Kate Cunningham's a hell of a player. I mean, that's just they're know. still pretty mad. They have a couple of of complimentary pieces around him too. I mean, he's definitely the straw yeah, that stirs their drink, and probably about half of the drink itself. But it's not like he's a complete one man show there. And for what's worth, I do have Illinois and Oklahoma State meeting in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but I also picked Illinois to come out of this bracket and go to the Final Four. So um, got to get there somehow. There's going to be tough games along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I think that's about all there is left to be said. You know, again, the last couple seeds in this region, Illinois got Drexel in the first round. That's an auto bid. I don't think that's any reason for concern. The 14 is Moorhead State. The 15 is Cleveland State. I don't know that I see much in the way of upsets there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. No, absolutely not. Uh, go on, last one. We got, uh, we're got. we running short here, but the East region is number one seed, Michigan. So LSU ends up as the eighth seed in this region. Yeah, that's – and, you know, given that Michigan being seeded where they are gets the benefit of their 16 seed having a play-in game, you figure that's even a little bit easier than usual. But, yeah, the 8-9, that's LSU and St. Bonaventure – um, just watched LSU in the SEC tournament final today. And although I, I don't know that they've really got the X's and O's to beat Michigan, you know, if Isaiah Livers can't come back, which his status is unclear, it doesn't sound like he's going to be, I mean, you wouldn't think he would be able to come back from a stress fracture inside. Of yeah. The that kind of an injury does not seem like a short-term deal. Yeah, I, It is. It was good that Eli Brooks was able to return really without limitations, but Michigan still got a very short bench. And LSU, you know, they've got the athletes, okay? And um, I wrote all that. That being said, I'm pretty sure they had no bench points in their loss to Alabama today. No, I mean, part of that, though, was that I think it was Trendon Watford went for like 32 or something. So, you know, they've got him. Cam Thomas is projected as a first-round pick. Javante Smart's a former blue chipper. They've got the horses to outrun Michigan if the Wolverines let them get into that kind of game. Um and given that this is in the first weekend of the tournament, it wouldn't surprise me if both teams basically play their starters the whole way, barring serious foul trouble. I'm so going to yeah. say here, don't rule out St. Bonaventure. They, the Bonnies are, they rule, I think it's five guys in double digits for them. They have a, um, shoot, it's a last name is Welch. I know a kid who shoots the lights out of the gym too. And they, they really stylistically are, are, are decently comparable to Michigan in that they are a better defensive team, but they have decent offensive efficiency numbers they can slow the game down take the air out of the gym if they find a way past lsu and that's a big if that could wind up being you know an 80 to 55 kind of lsu romp but bonaventure is one that i think would give michigan some pause yeah and that's uh, both of which is to say that look for a one seed with the strength of michigan's schedule this is kind of a difficult bracket draw when we look further down the two seed here 
um, is Alabama, who, you know, I've discussed this with Steve. I don't recall if it's actually made it onto the podcast or not, but if I'm thinking a couple of years down the road at who I want to succeed, Tom Izzo, top of that list is Nate Oates. I, you know, I've got his name uh, drawn on my notebook with little hearts around it. Um, I'm not sure why his name always makes me laugh, but it really does. It's a funny, it's a funny name. It's a funny name. Um, Nate Oates. The, I mean, the possibilities for the new, for a new name of the student section are who that uh, limitless, but anyway, one doesn't want to get ahead of oneself. So Alabama, the two seed, Texas is the three who feels like they've kind of rounded into form here. You know, for a while there, it wasn't clear that Shaka Smart was going to succeed at Texas, but they won what is their first big 12 tournament in school history. I gather when they last won, it was still the big eight um, elsewhere in the region. You it's know, incredible. Also- you think about all of the, all of the, the, the tremendously talented men who who crawled so that these dudes can walk, right? LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, yeah, Bismack Biombo. <laughs> they, they've had lots of... Mo Bamba. Yeah, all, the, all this elite talent, a lot of which was really wasted by Rick Barnes, if we're being honest. Like, you know, everyone wants to give him credit now that he's gone to Tennessee and is doing very well there. Texas was pretty right to fire him. Well, yeah, him. I mean, you know, he's a guy... Tennessee has proven that they will totally roll with coaches that can you know, just pay players to get in there and then get fired after some tournaments like Bruce Pearl. I had no idea that he was even going to come up when we got on this topic. I'm very surprised. Well, I don't know why him. Bruce Pearl would come up in the context of this year's NCAA tournament since he's extremely absent. So really so really quick here before, because uh, we're running low, is Michigan State UCLA. Elephant in the room here, you know, and it's Andrew, we got to talk about it. How do you feel? So... I, th- I thought MSU was probably a 10 or at least an 11 without a play-in. Um, I can't be too mad about it, though. I mean, this is a team that ended up 15 and 12, got booted from the conference tournament in their first round. I mean, if they'd beat Maryland, I think they're probably off this line. Um, BYU's not by any means a gimme, nor is UCLA, really. I mean, the mo- really all I'm concerned about here is the first matchup, though, because MSU's not a good enough team to think, all right, well, is, do we have a road to the Final Four? No, because it's this MSU team. So looking at UCLA, not only do they come in on a four-game losing streak, but really over the course of the season, I mean, if you're looking for data points, they had a somewhat competitive loss to Ohio State back in December. They beat Colorado uh, at the beginning of January. But then after that, if you're looking for wins against tournament teams, they've got one against Oregon State. That's technically a tournament team because you know they ended up winning the conference title. Um, but other than that, there's not much. Uh, there's not much they've got they're kind of a um one man show on offense some of the time with um Johnny Juzang who's got a spectacular name um Tiger Campbell is a I believe a senior point guard diminutive but a good distributor who MSU recruited once upon a time I don't know how serious that was or if there may be some secret recruiting beef that has continued to linger in his head. If so, if so, it didn't show up when we played them a year or two ago in the regular season. Um, no, I, look, the play-in game surprised me given that most of the projections I saw not only had MSU in, but had them like, they weren't even listed in like last four in or last four buys or anything. So I don't know if there's a whole lot else to say about UCLA. I mean, when you're one of the last four in, you're gonna have, it's going to be dubious. Your, your resume is going to have some holes in it. Um, if MSU shows up and actually 
plays decent offense, they could go on a little bit of a run. They could win a game or two. Do I think that's especially likely? No. I mean, it's, it's rolling the dice, basically. And it's not like, oh, I'm, I just need to get a six or better. With MSU, it's more like you're rolling a dice and you need a 10, 11, or 12 if you're going to beat a decent. You're, you're doing a, a savings <laughs> throw is what you're doing. Yeah. And there's been, look, don't get me wrong. The last few weeks of the season to even get into the tournament, MSU hit a few fat nat 20s. But Yeah. I was going to say, they hit some 20s on those savings throws. <laughs> but uh, as to the sustainability of that, I kind of doubt it. But I also don't think UCLA is such a good team that they're going to need an A, that MSU needs an A-plus team to win. Um, elsewhere in this bracket, we have Maryland. First round game against UConn. And a lot of the analysts that I've been watching kind of this afternoon um, really like UConn as a team to come out of this bracket, mostly because of the strength and reliability, I guess, of their lead guard, um, Booknight. He's a guy that's also probably going to be a mid first round pick and it's too easy of a comparison with UConn, right? If they've got a dominant lead guard, everyone remembers that run Shabazz Napier had. That's been the foundation of every UConn run is oh, Kemba Walker as well. Yeah. And so, and so the feeling is that book Knight can be that guy um, and that Dan Hurley might be the coach to get them back on track. Well, <laughs> like I didn't like that Kevin Ali had such a struggle there because like, his name is awesome. It's just like how you jump in skateboarding. Kevin, Ollie. Yeah, it's, a, it's your director. Kevin, Ollie. Directing your younger cousin to do a skateboard move and also addressing the head coach of UConn at one point. Um, so yeah, in terms of how Maryland matches up with that, well, the good news when you're playing a team relying on guard is you have Marcel, the guy who just won Conference Defensive Player of the Year. And maybe there's some arguments that there are other guys as good or better, but... Well, you know, I mean, unless unless you're Hunter Dickinson, in which case it's like, oh, well, maybe you got to get on Twitter and tag him in your shit as you're beefing at him for, uh, I don't know, saying something to you during the game. But Big Ten beefs notwithstanding, he won the award, just and like they a, won the conference. So There's no question that he is a good defender and you know who you're going to put on book night and do better than most teams would putting their best defender on a guy like that. So it's going to be an interesting matchup for Maryland. Um, let me pull the bracket up real quick and see what awaits them if they succeed. Oh, so if they, being on the seven Alabama. Yeah, they would most likely run into Alabama unless the fighting Rick Patinos of Iona are able to pull the 15-2 upset. No, they'll be good for 15 seconds, then it's over. <laughs> oh, shit! Hey, what do we think about the odds of <laughs> Richard Pacino being replaced by Rick Pacino? Um, <laughs> I promise I, 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 I was about to say, I promise I won't make fun of Minnesota as long as he's there. That's not true. I can't make that promise. So, anyway, do we think that the five seed has a chance here? This is my favorite bit. Um, I, Georgetown, Colorado is one where, I mean, good God, if you, and this was in part because I was traveling and I was awake late uh, most of last week, I watched more of the Pac-12 tournament than anybody should be forced to watch. Right. And uh, God bless. I mean, the Cal-Colorado game that I watched was I mean, just nigh unwatchable for 75% of it. Are you saying that Colorado got into a game with Cal basketball in this, the year of our Lord 2021? You are sure correct that they did. And that Jesus Christ. Yeah. That beef tank of a lefty guard that Cal had was keeping a minute for a while. And it was just painful. God, Colorado went like five minutes without scoring. I mean, they have, um, 
oh for goodness sake Mackenzie Wright I want to say his name is the, yeah. their guard who's he's a heck of a player I mean when the guy catches fire he can shoot he's a good free throw shooter should slide out of the gym most days <laughs> but my god it just for all the pieces that uh Ted Boyle has in in Boulder they just it's stilted it's weird looking basketball it just is not good it it and even a bill walton acid trip can't break you out of just how awful that stuff was it's i, I that's a 512 where i flip a coin honestly i have goodness. a question did emin wildcat read that book that you gave me andrew i don't know i haven't referred it to him it's it's <laughs> phenomenal i absolutely recommend it pass it along to him if you want i mean yeah um over are we talking like tom wolf electric kool-aid acid test or something good like that or what no, I'm talking about a book. I forget the name of the author, but it's called Friend of the Devil. And it's a... Yeah, the Bill Walton Mysteries. Yeah, where, where he and Dave Pash um, go and solve... They solve a murder mystery yeah. during the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I can't recommend it enough. There's supposed to be a sequel coming out at some point. I, yeah, I, it, was, it was titled as though it would be a series. <laughs> and I, I can't recommend it enough because... The guy and and I'm I feel so bad for for forgetting who this author is, but he absolutely nails what you'd think both of them would be like. In particular, Walton. Yeah. So we'll we'll close then this episode of the Blocking Charge Cast Book Club with very quick. Just give us quick. Who are your final four? Who's playing for the title game? Who is winning it all? Steve, you go. Well, I think Gonzaga gets out of their region. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to see. I mean, it's actually tough for me between Baylor and Ohio State, but I, I just generally like to think of whoever's been good over the course of the season. And um, what Baylor did early on is is still sticking to my mind. So I think it's going to be Gonzaga, Baylor. Uh, you know, I'm going to say Illinois. And out of that last one, I actually really like Alabama's chances. Um, I, I think that Michigan especially with um, with livers out is going to have a bit of a problem and they're going to have to get through multiple teams that may be able to handle Dickinson. Um, I don't know that Mike Smith's contributions are sustainable long-term like from the big 10 tournament. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately I always like to have not so chalky a bracket as this, but I do think that the one seeds are very strong this year. I think that Michigan is about as weak right now as they've been all year. They are, and I really agree with that kind of assessment of it. I would go just in part to be different. Um, I'll take Gonzaga, obviously. I don't think anybody's to their level, and maybe Iowa can catch lightning in a bottle again, but Iowa's got to consistently defend and play, you know, play past all the teams in their bracket, too. Well, I mean, it would help if Garza, you know, looked at their big man and had a defensive strategy besides, oh, wow, I really don't want to end up on a poster with this guy, which is what he did against Kofi. I don't think anyone's going to confuse Drew Timmy for Kofi Coburn, though. I, we actually had him. Like, he was a big target for us. He seems like a more manageable matchup for Garza, though, and that he's not physically overwhelming, a little bit more of a finesse, skill-based big guy. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, to, I'll take, yeah. yeah, so I'll take Gonzaga there. I'll, I'll take Ohio State out of the uh, out of the South region. I Honestly, I'm not even optimistic they can get past whichever of Arkansas and Texas Tech wins that wins that contrast of styles. But if they um, do, you think they go the rest of the way? I think they can go the rest of the way. Yep, I, it's, I think Ohio State kind of has that has that little horseshoe kind of feel to them right now. That uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard not to say that I, you could argue that they had the most impressive performance at the Big Ten tournament, even though they didn't win at all. 
Absolutely. And that's kind of, that's my rationale there. So I have Gonzaga, Ohio state. I'll take Illinois as well. Um, I'm not impressed with the, with the two, three, uh, the four really is the toughest. I think of the, of the top four in that, uh, in that bracket for Illinois to get past um, press Virginia feels like they will just fall apart against some random ass team and forget how to shoot the ball and wind up losing to Syracuse in a like 55 to 37, just struggle bus. Um, Great for Alan Griffin to do some work for us. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and Houston, I just, I, I'm not intimidated by Houston. I could be Clemson or Rutgers coming out of that, uh, coming out of that, that 14 pod. Be pretty interesting to see the Pikemen play for a sweet 16. It sure would. Um, the, depending on Clemson, I, I, I might be taking to my brackets, take the seven ten winner of, over two in that, uh, in that one. I just don't know that I respect Houston. Some of the close calls they had in the, in the American this year. Part of me is upset that no Rutgers people picked up on this Pikeman thing that I developed. But also part of me is like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure they deserve something that cool. So, you know, good. It is a, it's a bitchin' name. Um, and then on the last one. So I have what Gonzaga, Ohio state, uh, give me Illinois. And then <sighs> Texas, I guess Bastard. I have to. <laughs> That's the same bracket. I, so I have the Damn. same bracket there because uh, I've watched enough of Texas the last couple of weeks to be very impressed by Matt Coleman who is bit so we spent time earlier talking absolutely. about how UConn is popular because of the lead guard. I think that I'm using that same formula, just not with UConn, because again, it feels too easy. I think people are making that comparison. The thing you have to remember about people Booknight, like want it to happen more than they think it's yeah, likely but, to happen. And the thing is book night missed like six weeks of the season and they've kind of rounded back into form since he's been back. But I like Texas out of, um, out of the East region, Gonzaga, Ohio state and Illinois. I have Gonzaga beating Illinois in the national title game, which I think same, is probably going to be, that's, that's like your Duke Kentucky in a typical year. Like that's the matchup that a lot of people are going to pick, but when you look at it, it's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say no comment on that one. <laughs> I can't legally do it. If you had, so here's the question. If you had to choose a non Illinois Baylor or Gonzaga team to win it all, not one of kind of the consensus three best teams <clears throat> in this tournament, who do you take to win it all and why? It kills me to say this, but I, I like Ohio State a lot. I mean, I, I just they they don't have for a team that doesn't have you know a, a monster center and a really great <laughs> distributor. They've got so many players that can score the ball in a lot of different ways. Um, and without Joe Young, they put up a hell of a fight for a team that was uh, that was you know, coming off of a pretty short rest. Uh, I really think Ohio state does have the talent and the depth. And again, they're, they're a matchup problem for anybody because there isn't really a specific, I mean, because they've got guys that can make their own shots on just about anybody in a lot of different ways. Oh boy. Um, it disgusts me to say this, but the, and I think part of the reason they've gone sort of uncommented on is because of how weak the ACC has been this year Who's your defending national champion? Um, oh, no. <laughs> granted, it was front, you know, there's a year missing there. Um, Virginia's got the coach who's done it before. They have the point guard in Kihei Clark, who's, you know, not a 25 point guy, but a very steady veteran, a pest on defense. They have in Huff, the seven footer, who's both a defensive and offensive finishing presence. Sam Hauser, the good Hauser, as it turns out, yeah. um, has, has been a big help to them offensively. They're, they're really not the play in the low 50s every game where they can't win team anymore. That's obviously still what they're going to try to do. Yep. But they've got a little bit more offensive skill now than they used to. Um, 
if they're able to get past Virginia, which they, or I'm sorry, past Gonzaga, which would be a sweet 16 matchup. I don't know if there's anyone else in this bracket that's going to get in their way. We've kind of discussed, I mean, I think Kansas might be one of the more nondescript three seeds I've seen recently. Um, and I am just not a believer in Iowa until I see them do it <clears throat> in a postseason format. Well, boy, I mean, you dovetailed I, nicely. I, I, I got to say Iowa against Virginia is a uniquely good matchup because sometimes they just go down and spam heat check threes and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd give them as good a chance as anyone for that reason, because Virginia will allow you to take some threes. So, all right. And so I, well, I was scared that you were going to take, cause I haven't answered my own damn question. Fuck you. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I forgot. Yeah. Well, I never get to watch Northwestern this. I might as well get to talk for a while. Um, no, it's, and so to be honest, I was prepared to take Texas and I was actually prepared to have you steal my Texas pick. Um, that's, I mean, that's what I really think. And, but. <laughs> well, and so if, if not Texas, um, yeah, I think it's whoever comes out of that Gonzaga bracket. It, and to be honest, I'm hard pressed to say it's not Iowa. I think they might, as, as much as I hate to validate the fact that Iowa fans just want to bitch constantly about, oh no, Bobrovsky's refing our game tonight. Poor us. Wah. Like, fuck you. Everybody's got to deal with that asshole all season. Just eat a bag of dicks and, and get over it. Um, I think they might benefit from this kind of, you know, Garza being kind of a name and the fact that um, they have those guys who can, you know, who can rain the threes. <clears throat> I can talk myself into Iowa just as much as I can, as I can talk myself into Texas, but Iowa's got Gonzaga, obviously they got to get through. Yeah, I mean, what I, what you can say about Iowa is there's nobody before the elite eight who's going to be able to guard Garza one-on-one. Nobody not, I mean, nope. as I say that I'm looking at USC and I suppose Evan Mobley could keep up with them, but Neither, those chicken, I mean, wing, those chicken yeah. wings are going to be at, at chest height, and that's uh, he'll he'll elbow his way through that entire competition. Yeah, and I got to say, Virginia would be would probably not be as much of a threat if they if their second round matchup was likely to be against the Can't Buy a Thrills or the Asias, but instead it's the Gauchos, which is probably probably a top three album, but I don't know if it's one of the top two. Okay, we're done. For Big Ten Talk, it's off tackle, Empire!